0: Hebrews 12:5 through 11, and I want to continue the theme that we have been going through last Wednesday and this Sunday by trying to unify us all together to love one another and to make sure that we are growing in the spirit because we're in a special time at the church and we've got to make sure that we're all ready for what's about to happen next. God told me this is a building year, a building year, which means that you and I will have to build and we'll have to become what God wants us to become. Because there are many people that are on the way to this place, this area is primed for growth, and we have a little window right now to get ready, and I feel like that the pressure is on. And so tonight, if you would let me, I'd like to talk on this subject, the only hurt we love, the only hurt that we love. Nobody loves hurt, but technically there should be one thing, one thing that we don't like that we should love. There should be one thing that's not enjoyable, that's uncomfortable, that we should fall in love with. And that is simply learning how to be corrected when we are wrong. It's a biblical theme that a lot of people don't know how to handle. In fact, I even feel the pressure of it tonight in my spirit because even I do not like to be corrected. And I have had many times where I did not want to listen to an authority because I did not want them to tell me something I didn't want to hear. I understand this. I'm not preaching it or teaching and on any other subject except for the fact that this is a major stumbling block for us, especially in our culture. And so the only hurt we love, the only one that we should love, is whenever we are we are made uncomfortable because we're corrected. It hurts us, but it's good for us. And we have got to bring that back into the church. We have to. We have no choice. We have to have it back in the church. And so by the help of God and the Word of God tonight, that's what we're going to do in Jesus' name. Uh, Hebrews 12.5, let's go there and let me read it to you. And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening, the correction, the rebuking, that's what that word means, of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. For who the Lord loves, he corrects. He scourges every son whom he receives. I don't know if I'm received. It's because you've never been scourged. If you've never been scourged, you don't belong to your father. If you've never been corrected, then you don't belong in the kingdom. You're not in the kingdom. A way for you to know that you are a son or daughter of this heavenly Father is if you have been corrected. Can we, I can't go further. Can we lift our hands? Just take a minute right now. Let's lift our hands and pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray in the Spirit right now, God, to help us to conquer this Spirit Help us in the day and the hour that we're living in that many churches cannot go forward, many Christians cannot grow because we are so afraid of our heavenly Father correcting us because he loves us. Help us to see love. Help us to see love. Help us to rebuke the enemy's lies who says we're not loved when we are corrected. Help us, God, tonight to receive this revelation, and to fall in love with it as sons and daughters of God. Everybody say in Jesus' name, verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you like a son. Do you want to be a son? Then let God deal with you with correction. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? He's saying it doesn't make any sense. Fathers have to correct their sons, if they love and care for them, they will help them. But verse eight, if you are without that chastening, that correction, of which all have become, all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and you're not sons. You're not a real son if you don't let your heavenly father correct you. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. No, we haven't. They did. This was written a long time ago. We can't even relate to that scripture, can we? I had to pause there because I realized we cannot relate to a heavenly father who did it in love. Our church is riddled with people who have never felt love from a father, but all they felt was abuse. And that's why this spirit that I'm up against tonight is so strong, because there's no reference point. For me to point to. And that's why tonight we have got to let go of our earthly connections. And we've got to look to a heavenly realm and realize that it's going to be okay. He loves us even when we're corrected. It's going to be okay. He loves us even when we're corrected because we have no point to reference from like they did. In their day, fathers were fathers. and their day, fathers got on to their children And their day when you messed up, they told you you messed up. And we are now raising weak children that can't take anything because we will not stand up to them. And we can't relate to this Scripture. And that's what broke my heart whenever he said, let me use your earthly fathers as an example. I thought, I can't do that in 2022 because the majority of people don't know what it's like to have a loving father actually correct them in a loving way. But this is what he said, and we paid them respect. How do I get respect? Correction. It goes against everything the culture teaches us. If you correct people, they won't respect you. It is a lie from the enemy. It is impossible to have respect without loving someone enough to correct them. Even kids know they're not loved when they're not corrected. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seem best to them, but but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. There's a reason for correction, ladies and gentlemen. It's so that we can be partakers of holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Your disconnect from God is because you will not take correction. You cannot become holy without correction. Now listen, the writer of Hebrews is not on another planet. Look at verse 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. This is not super spiritual stuff, y'all. We get it. It's not going to be fun in the moment. And anybody that gets onto somebody and acts like it's fun is weird. Now this is going to be fun. You're in trouble. When you're hurting, it hurts should never enjoy, ever enjoy the moment of correction. From either side, the one doing it or the one receiving it. You shouldn't be laughing when you're being corrected, and the person correcting shouldn't be making fun of you while you're being corrected. There's a way to do it, and that is a somber way that this does hurt, but it's also for your good. And it's because I love you. It's painful for the moment. It hurts for the moment. Nevertheless, afterward, watch what the Word of God says. Afterward, verse 11, it yields, it produces the peaceable. Somebody say peace. You don't have peace, do you? Because you don't let anybody correct you. There's no peace in your spirit. Now, maybe y'all didn't get in trouble like I did when I was growing up, but I felt great peace after I got in trouble. And up until that moment, it was great pain. But as soon as it was over, it was like, (sighs) I'm clean, Jesus. (laughs) Punishment over, Jesus. I can breathe again. (laughs) Because you know when you've been corrected, you know you can move forward. And you feel stuck when it lingers over you, that you've been getting away with it so long, you have no peace. Look what happens. It brings peace, fruit of righteousness. You change. You become more righteous to those who have been trained by it. That means it's not just one time. It's training. You don't just do it once. You do it until they learn the lesson. Pastor, I I just don't want it. I just want it one time. I can take it once. No, you're going to get it every time until you learn it. As soon as you learn it, you don't have to have it anymore, ladies and gentlemen. As soon as you learn it. I just wish I would stop being corrected. Then stop. Learn the lesson. Submit to God. Do it his way. And you won't have to have it, the lesson, again and again and again and again. You can move on. Everybody say in Jesus' name. I mean, you can be seated. I could have just closed. We could have had altar call. I was ready to pray. I was ready to pray, y'all. I was ready. I was ready to have prayer, shout, run the aisles, weep blow this thing up, but we got to, we got to finish the lesson. It's the word of God is, it needs context. If I had a dollar every time I heard somebody say, quit judging me. <laughs> Why are you judging me? Y'all know, y'all been there, right? Some of y'all got family, friends, some of y'all got Facebook and uh, you post something online and they're like, oh, you judging? <laughs> so I don't even know you. You're just on my friends list. I don't even, I don't even know you. Are you judging me? Jesus said, don't judge. Yeah, that's good. It's fun to say that, isn't it? It's fun to say that. We all just walk around saying, Jesus, I don't judge. Jesus, said, don't judge. Somebody's mad at you? Jesus said, don't judge. <laughs> you, you, you can't quote three scriptures, but you got that one down. You got it down good. <laughs> Everybody in the world knows that scripture. Even atheists know that one. Jesus in your Bible said, don't judge. I'm like, that's good. You know my Bible. You got any other ones? And that's the only one. <laughs> it's the most popular atheist scripture. It's the one they use against us whenever we try to preach to them. They say to us, why are you judging me? Jesus said, don't judge. That's what they say. But Jesus also said, since you want to talk about what Jesus said, Jesus also said to love God with all your heart and put him first. So while we're quoting scriptures, let's go ahead and quote that one. Jesus also said, love your neighbor. Since we're quoting scriptures. Jesus also said, turn your other cheek when you get hit. Since we're quoting scriptures. Don't just quote the ones you like. will not you quote all of them? Let's use the whole thing. And by the way, will you please stop judging me Then I'm judging you? That, that offends me. See, you have to judge that somebody's judging. Next time somebody tells you that, just be like, quit judging me Then I'm judging you. They won't know what to say. I, this is what I say to people. Look, if you're going to preach the Bible, preach the whole thing. Don't just take one scripture because it fits your agenda. If you're going to throw scripture around, then throw the whole thing. And if you can dish it, you can take it. If you can throw one scripture at me, then I can throw ten back at you. So, you know, this half-quoting scriptures doesn't work. In fact, people won't do it if they know that you know your Bible. All you got to do when you're talking to somebody that half-quotes scriptures is just go ahead and tell them the rest of the Bible, and they will never talk to you again about the Bible. Can I finish it for you? Okay, here we go. Matthew 7 and 1. Judge not that you be not judged. It's red letter. Jesus did say it. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you, you use to judge somebody, they will use the very same measure to measure back on you. Jesus did not say that we weren't allowed to have Judgments. He said that you need to be careful whenever you measure people because they will measure you right back. Y'all, y'all know how that works, right? Yeah. This wasn't a minister's conference that he was teaching at. This was just good old Christian common sense. If you go around telling everybody they're wrong, don't be surprised when people look at you with a target on your back thinking that you're wrong. If you want people to talk about you in church, talk about them. The easiest way for you to get a target on you is for you to go around targeting everybody else. Because when you start to tell everybody that they're not right, what's the first thing that pops in your head about the person that judged you? Neither are you. Well, now that I think about it, last week you messed up. You see, judgment creates more judgment, grace creates more grace. It's just not wise to go around judging everybody because when you start that, it's just hard to stop it. Somebody's like, Your clothes are tight. And they're like, Well, maybe so, but your tongue is loose. (laughs) That's what happens in church when people go, it's just not wise. Look, you you know the people you can get away with telling them they're wrong. And you know the ones that you can't. Why we all think we're the pastor. I don't know. It's hard for me to do it. If they cuss me out, they'll kill you. I just feel this anointing on me to go tell everybody what's wrong with them. <laughs> Be careful. You will you will bite off more than you can chew. Here's my philosophy. If you, if you will tell somebody what's wrong with them, when you get done, ask what's, what they thinks wrong with you. Or better than that, why don't you start with that one? You know, there's something I want to talk to you about before I do. What do you think's wrong with me? Anything? You know me. What do you think about me? I want to make sure I'm right. That's not how we do it, though. Yeah. Some say Jesus is love. Jesus doesn't judge. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he did in the Bible, and he's going to do it again on Judgment Day. Absolutely, 100%, he judged, and he will judge again. He made decisions that people were right or they were wrong. He told people to go and sin no more. He spoke up about controversial subjects. He called people vipers. He threw tables over. He got angry and mad. Yeah, he did. And he was the Christian. So please turn off the TV evangelist who gets rich lying to you. Because if you did turn him off, he'd have to sell his jet and you could buy a bigger Bible. Jesus gave commandments, not suggestions. Commandments. Commandments have, somebody say, consequences. Well, Jesus is my heavenly father. You say it real sweet and pretty like, like he's not going to judge you. Yeah. Well, your heavenly father believes in correction. Your heavenly father, you're exactly right. He's your heavenly father. And your heavenly father believes that you've got to get right while you can. Jesus is love. Yes, you're right. Finish the rest of the Bible. Jesus is holy. Love gives you access to holiness, but holiness requires that you change. At the cross, Jesus took your place and became the door. His love unlocks the door, but your love walks through the door. It takes two to have a relationship. It takes two for you to be holy, and it takes two for you to be saved. There is no such thing. As once saved, always saved. Salvation is like a, a symbol of marriage. Right now we're engaged to be married and we're supposed to be saving ourselves for Jesus. Or we're not in heaven yet. We have the ability to walk away. We can take this engagement and we can just stop it right now. Some people think that I'm just saved no matter what I do. Why would you correct me? I'm saved. You see, if you believe in once saved, always saved, then you don't believe in judgment. You can't believe in judgment. In fact, the reason why you're so mad is because you're wondering why I'm judging you. You're already saved. So I've got to debunk the once saved, always saved doctrine so that you realize that you can make a mistake while going to church and you can still be lost. We have got to get that spirit out of Christianity that says this is pointless for you to correct me and make me mad and angry and take a chance on getting me upset. Don't you know you're wasting your time? I'm saved no matter what, Pastor. Pastor. So so if you're once saved, always saved, then why does the Bible say that there are going to be blots in the book of life? Blots, where there was a name and now there's not one. Psalm 69 28, let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Revelation 3 and 4, you have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So if you have to do something to get God's spirit, then why can't you do something to lose God's spirit? If it takes repentance to have the Holy Ghost, it takes turning away from the Holy Ghost to lose the Holy Ghost. Remember, we are sheep choosing to follow a shepherd. We are not sheep being pushed by a shepherd. There are times we go astray, and thank God we have a heavenly Father that will pull us back in with that staff, that will correct us. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, David said. you got to get to a place in your walk with God that you are comforted by the path. By the direction, by making sure you're going to go the right way. That brings me comfort knowing that I'm right with God. It brings me comfort knowing that I'm going to make it in eternity. It brings me joy to know that he's got me back on track, that he's corrected my bad ways, that he caught me in time. That brings me joy. And while I don't like the hurt, I love the idea that I get to be right with God when I've gone the wrong direction. Is anybody thankful for a father who loves you more than your earthly father? That he's not content for you to go to hell and for you to be lost. But he wants to help you make it when you go astray. Jesus, help us to love this one hurt in the church. You can get mad at anything else you want to get mad at, but don't you get mad at this one thing. You need to fall in love with correction. We, we've got we've to be intentional. We've, gotta, we've really got to amp our minds up on this one because what's the first thing that happens in your body when someone says, I need to talk to you? You just, just body freezes, especially if you're in like an office setting. Sir, can I talk to you in the Can I talk to the office, brother, office? It's like, what did I do? Did I sin? I'm on Facebook. What happened? Somebody say something about me? Isn't it crazy how you don't even know what's going to happen or what they're going to say? but you're already scared. What is it about us that we just, we just lose our minds when we feel like somebody doesn't agree with us? What is it about this spirit that we're so scared that something bad will happen? Yeah, I know. I'm sad to announce today that many will be confused on Judgment Day that's coming very soon. Just look at the signs of the time. Jesus is coming back quickly. They will think that they are saved and they will not be let in. And look what Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 20. Therefore, by their fruits will you know them. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter to the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. I'm glad it said Father again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you, practice, you who practice lawlessness. What shocks me the most about the Scripture is that people didn't even know that they were wrong. Where was their pastor at? Or did they even have a pastor? Where was their friends at? Where was their wife at? Somebody, please tell them that they don't even know they're wrong. You understand the picture we're painting here? They're literally casting out demons and prophesying. They're doing wonders in the name of Jesus, and they're still lost. Don't you ever get so spiritual that you can't be corrected. Don't you dare ever talk in tongues so long that you can't sit there and take critique. Don't you ever have something so powerful happen to you that you no longer need a covering in your life. This is the most dangerous place you could ever be. There is never a moment where you're so close to God that you don't need a covering or correction in your life. Why is it the people who who have the most going for them that are the hardest to correct? Because they just can't understand how you could be complaining after all the good I've done. It's just never good enough for you, Pastor. Pastor. We have to be so careful when God begins to anoint us and use us and make us feel like we're something to make sure that we're still open to correction, that our hearts are still open for things we don't see. Don't forget that when you're doing big things for God, it's easy to be blinded by your own pride, thinking that you have nothing wrong. I will say it like this. The higher you climb, the longer you've been in church, the more submissive you've got to be. I've been in this thing 40 years. Who are you going to tell me, you are 38-year-old? I've had the Holy Ghost longer than you've even been a pastor before, and you've been alive before. What are you going to tell me? I know so much. Going to be lost one day. People just like that, people that did powerful things, that knew everything about God, they're going to be lost one day because they didn't even know. Somebody just would have told them. You know why we had to get gifts of the Spirit out of the church? Because it kept ruining everybody's hiding secrets. It's hard to find a Pentecostal church anymore. It's got a lot of gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, revelation. In fact, all the prophecy here now are all good. Yea, I say unto you, I'm going to bless this church. But when I was growing up, it was like, one of you better get right or you're going to die. People still die. You just, they just don't get warned anymore. Yeah. So I've come tonight with an open heart to help us to fall in love with the warnings again. To fall in love with awkward moments with our friends and family, our spiritual leadership, our pastor. To fall in love to crave them, to want them so badly because it doesn't matter how bad the moment hurts. I want to make sure that I'm right. So many people who will, who will try to get to heaven and be deceived. They'll think that they're saved, but, but they're still participating in iniquity. They'll wait for Judgment Day, and then they'll find out the judgment. Because why are you judging me? Ain't nobody can judge me but Jesus. Here's what's interesting about that concept. He'll only judge you on Judgment Day when it's too late. So, so how do you find out? before it's too late. You stay in the church, you have a pastor, you have brothers and sisters, you hear the Word of God, and you get around prophecy, and you get around the gifts of the Spirit. You don't run from them. You don't get scared of them because nobody can prophesy you going to hell. They can only tell you so you can change. Nobody can make. The gifts of Spirit are not there to destroy you. Prophecy is not there to tell you you have no hope. It's there to get you while you've got time. It's there to help you because you don't know. It's there to bless you. We've got to stop being afraid of the parts that we don't like while we have time. I don't know why we're so afraid of being judged when one day, God is going to judge us, and there won't even be enough time to repent. Why in the world does this generation hate correction and confrontation? Listen to this. This is so profound. We refuse spankings, but we're happy to throw perverted men in jail. Think about it. The difference is, you catch it when they're young, might not have to throw kids in jail anymore. They just need a father. Ask how many men are in jail that don't have a father figure. It's the majority of them. Women, too. Something's wrong with our culture and our day, and we got to leave that outside the church. They don't have the answers. They can't fix the system. Their answer is going back to the law. Now, some of y'all that know the Old Testament know what, what remark I just made there. You can't, be saved with, you can't be saved with just the law. You see, you've got to always go back to pain and punishment when it's not love for the Father. So we don't believe in spankings in our generation, and we don't believe in getting anybody in trouble. We just believe in tasing them one day. We don't believe in spankings, we believe in tasing. Spankings aren't as bad as tasings. I don't have to have one to know. I've seen the video footage. It looks horrible. I don't want to be tased. I had plenty spankings, and I never have had to be tased or go to jail. I thought the spankings would kill me, but then I watched the video on tasing, and I'm thankful for my spankings. And then I found out what jail was really like, and I'm thankful for my spankings. It's a proven fact. Discipline when they're young or they will be disciplined when they're old. You cannot escape correction. Either their boss will correct them by firing them and they have to go home and tell the family they have no money. Or they'll go to jail or tased or beat up in some bar fight. Correction will come. This is the day to fix stuff right now. Not tomorrow. Not whenever you got the cancer down the road. Not when you're on your deathbed. Right now is the day. Now is the hour to ask the questions. Now is the hour to open it all up. Now is the hour to get down to the root of the attitude and the issue and the problem. This is the day to fix it and not later. And we got to stop procrastinating because we're afraid of a little bit of pain. We have to do it while we have time. To judge means to conclude or to have an opinion about, that's the simple definition. But yet, we're so, against, we're so against the idea of conclusions. If you say it like that, it's not so scary, is it? Don't conclude. Jesus doesn't conclude. It's not so scary, is it? We have coined the word judge to mean go to hell. But the word judge doesn't mean go to hell in every context. It means to have an opinion about it, to conclude, to deduce, to think about it, to analyze it. Kind of like when you're going through a yellow light. We got some runners in the house. Who are we praying for tonight? Who are the runners? Thank you, sister. Tell off on your husband. Praying for you, Brother Dante. Praying for you. We got some runners in the house tonight. You you know what's happening in that moment? You have to make a what call? Judgment call. The light's not going to hell. Judging means trying to take all of the information that you have and coming up with a conclusion. That's what it means. This idea that we can't have conclusions because it puts people in hell is ridiculous. Nobody can put you in hell but Jesus Christ. Why are you worried about what somebody across the church said about you? Because they can't put you in hell if you're right. Then what are you worried about? You can have an opinion about a lot of things, but that doesn't mean that you're right. You can conclude things and be wrong. In a court case, everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a judgment, but there's only one with the power. There's only one eternal judge. So why are you so scared of somebody saying that you don't pray enough when they can't put you in hell over it? No, you can't tell me I don't pray enough, but Jesus can one day whenever it's too late. Is that what you want? That's the spirit you got? And nobody can tell me nothing except Jesus. He's already told you. He already sent a messenger. He put it in the Bible. But you ignore all that. You get mad at people when they try to help you. And we say stuff like this, only God can judge me. That's nice to say that. That frees you of having to hear it. People do not have the final say for someone's salvation. Get that through your mind. When somebody says you're not right, it doesn't mean you're lost forever. That's what triggers you. That's what makes you mad. What makes you mad is, is you feel like somebody's saying that you're going to go to hell. That's not what we're saying. We're saying you don't have to go to hell. You can fix it right now. But listen, if you don't fix it, then you might end up in hell. I didn't come do all this to make you mad. I did this because I love you. I did this because I want to catch it early. I want to make sure it's okay. I didn't come just try to fight you. I'm not trying to not sleep tonight because you're mad at me. I did this because I care. Oh, there's the issue right there. People will handle it if we let them know that we care. Pastor, I just, I felt something for a brother in church. I'm going to go tell him. Hold on. well, Pause. Does he even like you? It's not going to do any good for you to tell somebody that the Lord told them they ain't living right if they don't like you. I just, Pastor, should I say this? I don't know if I should say it or not. Do they like you? Don't say it. Will they receive it? Do they even know you? No. No. No, you, you, you want to make sure somebody can receive it. Listen, here's the context. Our Heavenly Father gets away with it. So guess what you've got to be like to get away with judging folks? You have to love them as much as the Heavenly Father does. And none of y'all ever died for anybody. You've got a lot of work to do. It's amazing what you can get away with. People are like, well, Jesus said it. And I agree, but I'm not Jesus. I can't say everything Jesus said the way he said it. I'm working on it, but I'm not there yet. I can say some stuff, but I can't say everything. Don't I don't think I would probably look at Barack Obama and call him a viper. Jesus might. He might find some politician that looks like it's good, and I just threw out a name. Of course, y'all know I love Barack Obama. I just threw out a name. I'm sure all of y'all love Barack Obama in here. This is Texas. So I just threw a name out, but I, I'm not to that place where I'm going to go to some politician that is out there and just say, you, you look like you're great on the outside, but deep inside, you're full of debt men's bones. I'm not doing that. I, maybe one day I'll get there. You, you can get away with so much when you truly love the person that you're talking to. And we don't have a judgment problem in the church. We have a love problem in the church. Because you know what? 90% 90 of y'all are right. You found some issues in somebody. You're right. But you know the problem is not that. The problem is they don't believe that you love them. Preacher, I'm so worried about the the spirit of judgment just getting in the church. Christians are judgmental because they have been taught right from wrong. That is not the issue, ladies and gentlemen. You can't take it out of the mind of a Christian when homosexuality is wrong. It's wrong. I'm not judging you. Don't put words in my mouth. I'm telling you, according to God, it is wrong. You are a hater. You judge. What? You don't even believe in God. You're, you're going to turn into dirt. You're going to be happy and fine. Don't worry about it. I'm going to love you the same. We've been taught wrong from right. What do you get when you get a bunch of people that know wrong from right hanging out with each other? Hey, you're wrong. How you know? Because that's what we do in church is talk about wrong and right. Y'all, it comes with the territory of being taught things. Ignorant people can't judge. They don't know any better. And that's why some churches out there that have no guidelines to go by, everybody gets along great, because there's nothing wrong. Pastor, he slaps someone. That's not in the Bible. Who cares? That's fine. They're good. Well, that guy cussed someone out. That's cool. Doesn't matter. Nothing's wrong. We're safe. When there's nothing wrong in a church, there's no judgment but because we're the truth church because we preach the whole thing we know there is wrong and there's right there's sin and no sin it's a part of the territory of having people with knowledge that know better so it's it's not a judgment problem it's a love problem we we know a lot of laws and scriptures we just don't have the love you're right yeah you're right you caught somebody they they weren't being good but you know why nobody wants to listen to you lady sir because you have no love for anybody Pastor, there's something wrong with this church. But you can't convince anybody because, no, you don't love anybody. So it's a love issue. Yeah. Christians, yeah, they can be hypocrites, yeah. Sure, we understand they can preach the five scriptures that they love to you. But God forbid that you preach the five that you love back to them. We all have something to work on, don't we? We all have something you can catch us on. We all have our weaknesses and our strengths, uh, and we could spend the whole service walking around pointing at people, saying, you have a flaw here. And you're right. You caught me. But I don't care. Because I think you're attacking me. We don't have a judgment problem. We have a love problem. Secondly, it's not just hypocrites in the church. A lot of times Christians just are simply inconsistent. They have a bad day. I cannot believe that sister didn't look at me. Okay, y'all, let me teach you something about people. They have bad days. Even Christians have bad days. We've got to stop expecting everybody to be on Holy Ghost Highway Horse running in the church every, every service like, they had, like they're on the Holy Ghost Cloud Nine every day. You're not! Don't make everybody else be like that. Let some people have a bad day, please. If you don't shake my hand or look at me, I'm not going to go home and lose sleep over it. I'm going to pray for you because you probably had a bad day. Christians forget that we're, this is my close tonight. It's my, that's my main message right here. This is our closing tonight. Christians forget that we're given boundaries with our judgments. And I'm going to go to the Scripture right now. I'm going to show you three boundaries. I believe it's three boundaries that we have. Are you ready? All right. The Lord let me wake up early this morning with my dog urinating all over the floor. So I am just as tired as y'all of this tonight, okay? Normally I'm ready. I'll stay till 11. I'm ready to party tonight. I'm trying to close for me, okay? First, we are not allowed to judge those outside the church. Stop laughing long enough to catch this one because we need this one. Are you ready? We are not allowed to judge those outside the church. It is biblical. Felt a big wall right there. Going around Thanksgiving, ain't nobody in your family in church. You're like, you know, that ain't right, right? They don't even, what are, you t- what are you preaching to? They're not in the church. You're wasting your time. Y- your family doesn't need to stop smoking, they need to have faith. You know, if you just stop smoking, Are you kidding me? That's what you're worried about? They're not in the church. Stop judging them. I should have gave y'all the scripture. Y'all mad at me, some of y'all. Look, 1 Corinthians 5 and 11. Here we go. Get mad at Jesus. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. Well, that that just got weird real fast. Who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolater or reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner. Not even to eat with such a person, y'all. That's a lot right there that we never talk about. I hope you caught most of it. But as a brother, there's even guidelines of how we're not supposed to hang out with certain people who call themselves a brother in our own church. If you're a drunk in our church and you're a member and nobody wants to eat with you, we got Bible for it. Okay? I can't believe I get drunk all the time and nobody wants to hang out with me. Bible says not to. Can't. I'm not allowed. Let's get coffee. It didn't say that. I can't eat with you though. No food. All right? I had to fast. The, the, point, the point here, of course, is if you're a brother and you're living a life of perpetual sin, you can't keep doing that in the church without getting called out over it. Don't forget where you are whenever you do secret sinning. You're in the church, y'all. I can't believe I can't sin at that church. This is what we do here. We get away from sin in the church. We don't keep sinning. I just wish for once I could go to church and not be judged. You're sinning at church. This is what we do, y'all. Go to the nightclub. Ain't nobody going to judge you. But when you walk up in here, don't be like, they're always looking at me when I got my tight skirt on. The men are looking at you. You know why? The women are looking at you because they're mad the men are looking at you. And some of you ladies need to fix the way you look up and down at people. Because you are bad at it. You are bad at it. Talking about somebody new coming to church, you're going to stare them up and down. They caught you, and they've already told me about it. Help us, God. I wish somebody would have told this to me in Bible college right here. This would have helped me a lot. For, verse 12, for what I have to do with judging those also who are outside. That's a question. He says, what do I have to do with judging people who are outside? He just talked about this brother who's living a secret life of sin, and he's in the church. Now he says, what do I have to do with judging people who are outside? Do you not not judge those who are inside? He said, why would I judge those who are outside? But don't you guys all judge those of you that are inside? All right, let's keep going here. Let's find the context. Verse 13, but those who are outside, God judges. You do what you want to do. If you think you're God, you want to go be God, you go judge everybody outside the church. I'm not doing it because only God judges those who are outside the church. All right. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person, all right? So what we have here in the context is we have a situation where we know we're supposed to judge on the inside of the church, not the outside. So before you start to say, awesome first church, there's a lot of judgment going on. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Guess what? We're the smartest people in the world to help you with your problems because we are spiritual people. And you've got a spiritual issue. Don't you dare come to church scared or wondering why there's spiritual judgment when this is the only place to get it. There is no institution in the world that can help you figure out why you might be lost except the church. When you walk in those doors, walk in here open, ready to receive a word from God, because you came here because you wanted to be saved. You walked in these doors because you said, whatever it takes, I must be saved. Preach it, teach it, warn me, tell me, rebuke me, and correct me. But I want to be saved, even if it hurts a little bit. Secondly, all right, so that's first. Don't allow We're not allowed to judge those outside the church. We got that one. Second, before we ever get involved in a brother's issue, don't forget, we're supposed to be over what another person is in. Jesus said, get the log out of your own eye so that you can help your brother get the splinter out of his. Because if you don't get the log out of your eye, you will see a bigger splinter than what's really there. Notice the context clues there. I have a log. He has a splinter. I have something major wrong with me. They've got something small with them. You know what's interesting? Whenever you have a problem, sometimes the only thing you can see in everybody else is your problem. That's how some of y'all picked up on jealousy because you're jealous. That's how sometimes some of you feel like someone's got a bad spirit because you have the same one. I feel the Holy Ghost ministering to someone right now. You're picking up on stuff that's in your eye. And you've got a whole lot more of it than they do. And that's why you think God's been speaking to you, but God's not speaking to you. You're looking through your own lens, your own filter. Your filter is so messed up and broken that you see everybody else's problems right now. But listen to me. It's really your one big problem. And if you can deal with your problem, when you get done looking at your brother after you fix your problem, you'll realize that the thing you thought was so big is just a little bitty problem. You know what? I love people a whole lot more, and I see a whole lot less problems when I fix my own. It's amazing. When I'm right with my God, I can see clearly that you're not near as bad as I thought you were. Number two, you've got to make sure that you are out whatever somebody else is in. Before you touch them, you make sure that you're not doing the porn if they're struggling with it. Make sure you've conquered the anger issue because you caught theirs. You have to fix your issue first. And this goes for your marriages too. You can't say love and respect and all those words if you're not willing to do it. Okay? In First Corinthians 5, Apostle Paul had to deal with some sin in the church. Before we talk about the sin, let me tell you why it matters so much that there is righteous judgment in the church. Listen to this, First Corinthians 5 and 6. Paul said to the church at Corinth, your glorying is not good. Do you know that a little, do you not know a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Small things get big when no one deals with them. I know that we want to sweep it under the rug and act like it will go away, but it doesn't work that way. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. One little argument can turn into a big one. One little issue can get major. Y'all know. Y'all know what I'm talking about. One small thing can get massive overnight, and that's why Paul said we deal with things before they get big. Now, here's where we have a hard time. You won't let me or God fix you until it's bad. I just felt the witness of the Holy Ghost. Our problem is that when it's small, you don't believe in me because you can't see it as major you only see it small. When I come to you or God comes to you, you are corrected not because the thing is big, but because if you don't fix it right now, it will get bigger. But our insecurities are, Pastor, you're making a big deal out of something small. You're exactly right, a little leaven. We'll grow to be bigger leaven. You have got to release not just large problems to God, but small problems. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost witness right now. You may not feel it. I feel it right here on this stage in my heart right now. The Lord is speaking to me and the Holy Ghost to help somebody right now. You have loose, large problems. Let me give you an example. You'll let me deal with your divorce, but not your fighting. You will let God step up in your business whenever everything's about to fall apart. But you will, you will call me crazy for stepping up when you miss a few services. Listen, in the spirit realm, we operate three years down the road. We don't just do stuff because of what we see naturally. We make a move because we feel it in the the supernatural, in the Holy Ghost. And you may say it's small, but to God, if it's not dealt with, it gets larger. How many times as a pastor have I felt pushed back because you said it's just small, get away. But a little leaven, left alone, gets big. Will you release in the name of Jesus correction for small things so that you can stop getting hurt all the time? You can stop having a bad life all the time. You can stop having this cycle of pain and and anger and issues. Will you release God in the name of Jesus? Will you release someone to deal with it on the small levels so it never has to get big? Will you let me preach about fornication so I don't have to talk you out of abortion? What's wrong with us? We want to rescue. We want God to rescue us when it's too late. But God wants to send this prophetic ministry to catch it while there's still time. Don't marry that guy. Don't go to that college. Don't take that job. You think I'm being overbearing. I'm just trying to catch you while there's still hope. I'm just trying to fix it while we can still fix it. But you want to push us away and push God away and get mad. God, help us to get passionate about the little foxes because the little foxes are the ones that spoil the vine. It's the things that slip through unawares that no one touches because we're so busy casting out devils and we're so busy doing all these spiritual things we get back the small things a small thing oh it's just one service don't ever say it i will never ever be cool with just one little sin just one little disobedience the lord is not okay with small things and what you feel from your spiritual authority is not anger at you but you feel a passion a zeal to catch it while there's hope. Lord, help us in the name of Jesus. When issues are dealt with, listen to me tonight as your pastor. You may hear a version of it from somebody and never hear it from me. When issues are are dealt with from a pastor to an individual that is offended because they would not receive correction, nine times out of ten, That person feels like they have to go get a few people on their side so that if word gets out, they can be validated. And you might hear from three sources that they got in trouble and you'll hear their version. And they'll say to you, it wasn't even a big deal and I got in trouble. And you'll never hear my version. And you'll have to make a choice to trust the pastor, to deal with issues when they're small or believe that I'm going around lighting fires for fun. You'll have to choose to trust me and release me to catch it when it's small. Now, let me mention Hope Silo. We have guidelines for Hope Silo, our church school, and for the last couple years, we have been very merciful because it's a new school. We've got new members at our church. But we will have to be more strict going forward to make sure that we're reaching our goals as a school. Everyone in our church knows we started this because we wanted our kids to have a spiritual atmosphere, number one. Academics were not number one. But the spiritual was number one. And so while we have been very merciful for quite some time, I need the whole church to understand what we're going to do with our school. We're going to slowly begin to get it towards the right lane of a spiritual place. Any family does not want to go the direction of our church and school will not be allowed to come back to Hope Silo next year. And I need this church to understand that. I need you to be behind me on that. Okay? We've got to protect our children. If we let anybody come and everything goes, we're no different. We might as well shut it down. There's no point in it. And so we will not allow Hope Silo to be corrupted by the world. We've been merciful. We've given love. We've tried our best. We're losing money on it. But we've got to stand our ground. And I pray to God that everyone who's a part of it now and anyone who joins it in the future will be submissive and on board because we are not going to stand for it. But, Pastor, the kids are good. It doesn't matter if the kids are good, if the parents are not. I can't help kids if their parents are undoing everything we're doing. And I can't risk the good kids around the bad kids. You don't have to agree with me. This is the way the Holy Ghost said to do it. It's the way we're going to do it here at Hope Silo. And I want you to understand that. We have got to make sure that we're doing this the right way. And you need to understand what I'm doing so there's no whispers. All right, let me close it out tonight. Let's go a little bit further. A broken church can't help a broken world. That's the bottom line tonight. When we fix us, we testify to them. You know what works best at Christmas time when all your family's out of church? Not telling them to quit smoking. But this, y'all, can I just say something? I had a rough year this year and I made some mistakes. If it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't have made it this year. Instead of rolling up in there, being like, now all of y'all, i going to judge, I'm going to tell all of y'all. How many people have you won in your family doing it that way? Y'all wouldn't believe the year I had last year changing my tactics. I've got more of my family talking to me about God than ever. Because you know why? I started confessing my issues. You would never even imagine how good that works, talking to your family who thinks you're perfect about how you make mistakes too. You see, here's what's happening. They're broken, and they can't relate with me because every time they see me, I'm perfect. So these broken people, they never will open up to us because we never talk about what we're judging ourselves over never open up about what we struggle with and how, how someone talked to me about it. And we can't lead them out of their mess because we never talk about how we deal with us too. Something about the spirit about it, when we begin to fix us in the house, we testify to those outside the house. When we fix something in us, we shine brighter to the world. You think the world needs another door hanger or a Facebook ad? No. It needs to see real Christians working together in unity. It needs to see brothers and sisters uh, being able to talk real to each other and not quitting the church. First Corinthians 5 and 1, it's actually reported there's sexual immorality among you, Paul said. As such sexual immorality ma- is not even named among the Gentiles, and a man has his father's wife. This letter is written to churchgoers, yes, because church people mess up too. Surely, Paul said, let's have a meeting. Let's gather evidence. But no, in verse 3 through 5, he says, I've already judged. I thought we weren't supposed to judge in church. No, we are supposed to judge in church. He says, I have judged as if I were present him who has done this deed. And in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, whenever you're gathered together along with my spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one for the destruction of flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Remember now that he did this to save the man, not to hurt the man. You will never ever be able to lie and speak against the ministry of God by saying what that man did was bad. What we do is for the salvation for people's souls eternally. We don't do this because it's fun. We don't say stuff like because we enjoy a power trip. We do it because we know people have got one shot, one chance. This is the only life people have, and we've got to reach them while they're breathing. Do not tell me you love people if you're not willing to get dirty to save them. Watch you do it, Paul, so his spirit could be saved. Watch you do it, Paul, so his spirit could be saved. Listen to me before we close this service tonight judgment on the earth is grace, and you should be thankful for it. It's God reaching out to you saying, You still have a chance tonight. You want a grace service? This has been the most merciful grace service we've had in years. Because right now you're getting the chance to look inside your heart and make sure that you make it to, to heaven tonight. If you want to get right, if you want to get to be right, open up to earthly judgment. Who cares if what they said about you hurt you, if you're saved for it, then thank God the brother over across the church got on your nerves. Give God a praise for it. Who cares if they hurt you? If it ends up saving you, then you ought to just be thankful. Go shake their hand a few weeks later and say, thank you for making me angry. Who cares if you're even kicked out of the church if it makes you repent? Because we couldn't get you to do it all the years you were in church. Sometimes folks just need to go. Can Can I address that spirit real quickly? But pastor, they left church. They'll be lost. You'd be lost in church. Don't you ever, ever let that spirit come in and say, I can't believe pastor didn't do more to keep him in church. Some people need to go and I know it. And the devil will lie and say that pastor must not love people because he didn't run out the door chasing them. Some people must be released. Not because we don't care, but because we've tried everything in the house. Sometimes they got to get out the house. We love them the whole time they're gone. And we pray to God they'll come back. Some people just will never be saved until they get out of the church. So let's all stand. Anybody remember back in English class, this is one of my favorite ways to, to explain judgment. I thought my teacher was, was lazy. Anybody remember whenever they, they used to make you grade their papers, they get paid to do, which these days they might need help. I hear that there's a, an issue with teachers. It makes sense more now than ever to have your kids do your work for you because there's not enough teachers to go around. But when I was growing up, they had plenty of teachers. And they they gave us the paper and they told us to go through and they told us to take their friends and we would trade. And my friend would then begin to read through my paper and they begin to mark all over my beautiful paper that I thought was going to be wonderful and they begin to mark everything that I did wrong and that can really make a, a young sensitive male that plays tennis and if that now you know see y'all didn't laugh till that part cuz you understand plays tennis it can make make you have a little you know Can touch your your feelings there and make you feel sad. And they'd mark all over it, and they would just make me feel, my feelings would be just so destroyed. These days, I'm sure it would be on the news. Preposterous what just happened at this school down the road. They made each other grade each other's papers and find out who was dumber than the other one beside him. Now they are embarrassed, and now they are telling everyone they're never going back. Y'all know that's how it would go these days. Because cause these days you can't let anybody know you're struggling. Everybody's perfect. Everybody gets a trophy, all that. But I, I would know if the neighbor beside me had no clue how to, how to write words. And he would know if I was bad at it. And it was very embarrassing. But the best part of the story, and if y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. The best part of the story is whenever at the end she said, okay, now I'm going to give you one chance to fix what your, your neighbor complained about. I'm going to give you one chance to turn in before your final grade to take the critique of those around you and be able to use it for good. And in that moment, my hurt went away. It turned to great joy because I realized in that moment that if my friend was smarter than me, There was a good shot that I could fix my grade and I could get a passing grade. And I got so excited when I realized that all the critique and all the judgment wasn't final. But I got to use it for my own salvation. All of a sudden, the embarrassment was gone and the hate was gone. And I high-fived my friend and said, dude, you saved me. Because if you had not critiqued me... If you had not marked all over my creation, I would have been lost. He's appointed a point the man once to die. After that, the judgment. But this, ladies and gentlemen, Corinthians says, is acceptable time. This is is the day of salvation. And as long as there's breath in your body, there's hope for you, stop being afraid of correction. Stop being afraid of correction. Stop being afraid of getting your feelings hurt. Embrace it. Say it again to me. I want to know more. I thank God for our elders who built a strong church by preaching the truth from the pulpit. A strong generation was raised by strong preachers who said it like it was. God, help us. Can we lift up our hands in this place right now? God, help us in the name of Jesus. God, I feel like tonight you have sent me here, Lord, to open up my heart, to drive a point home to every member of our church in this lesson, that going where we're going, we have got to be able to handle critiques from our brothers and our sisters. God, baptize us with fresh love and wisdom. Right now, God, I give you permission to help me get the log out of my own eye so that I can see clearly what's truly bothering my brother and my sister Lord, it all begins with me right now. It all starts with me right now. It all starts with me in the mirror, God. I want to be cool with correction from spiritual authority, from you, from your word, God. I'm open to it, and I want it. Uh, Somebody say, I want it. Jesus' name, Lord, baptize us tonight with a fresh desire to love correction, to love the heavenly Father, to love the way you deal with us. Uh, I, w- I want to be legitimate, uh, not illegitimate. Uh, God, I want to go to heaven. I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter. That's our prayer right now. Lord, whatever it takes, uh, send somebody. Send a prophet. Uh, scare me. Wake me up. But I've got to know. I must know, Jesus. Jesus. I thank you to those of you in the church who have come to me in private and said, Pastor, if there's anything that I'm struggling with, please tell me. You know what's interesting about that? The people that come to me and say that usually have nothing to work on. Because the people that can say it are usually already doing a lot in their own private devotion. I have found that just the openness for correction is a beautiful spirit that doesn't really even need correction. I'm so scared if I open up to correction, I'll be abused. Not in the kingdom. In the kingdom, the openness to correction puts you in the right spirit. Just the openness to correction does something in your heart. Just the willingness to be spoke to submits you to authority where you feel at peace and you feel covered. I'm not going to keep you late, but can we just commit right now, can we agree in Austin First Church that we're going to be okay with our brothers, our sisters, talking to us, looking us in the face, and stop getting so offended. But let's start rejoicing. Thank you for catching it. I didn't know I was having an attitude with you. I didn't know. I want to be right with you. I didn't realize I didn't shake your hand. Thank you for telling me. I love you. I want to be a Christian. Feel the Holy Ghost. One more time, lift your hands right now. God, baptize us right now. We're going to be this in Jesus' name. I speak life to our church. I speak life over this church right now. You are going to get to that place. The devil is a liar. You are going to get to that place again. I know you've been hurt. I know you've been abused. I know you don't trust anybody, but we will get to that place. Pastor's going to do it. I receive the correction from my elders. I'm with you. I want it too. I'm leading the charge. We can do this. We can grow. We can be a hope to this world. Jesus, thank you tonight. Jesus, thank you tonight. We want it. Jesus. Oh, God, you're good. You're good. Let's apply it to our lives. Let's do this and let's start saying it out loud. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Tell your, tell your spouse tonight when you get home in the car, say, seriously, seriously. Maybe you need to wait till you get home. Look them in the eyes and say, for real, I will not get mad at you. Tell me the truth. Am I saved? I'm not joking right now. <laughs> there's probably been times my wife knew that I would be lost. <laughs> there's probably times that she's the only one. You need to ask the questions while there's time. You've got to dig into it while there's time. So when you go home, you look him in the eye and say, seriously, I'm not going to be mad at you. I will not hold a grudge. Tell me the truth. Am I even right with God? Am I right with you? Call a buddy up. Call someone in church and say, look me in the eye. Sit down with them and say, tell me the truth. What's my spirit like? God's going to break it off of our church. He's going to break the fear off of our church. And we're going to grow and be holy and healthy and anointing and powerful. And God's going to use us to bless others in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. All right. That's it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You're dismissed. Jesus' name. We love you. Shake hands. Be friendly. See our guests. Talk to somebody on the way home. Just do it. We got this in Jesus' name. We love you.